in First Thessalonians. All right. Let's pray. Well, actually, you know what? Let's first let's read. We're gonna we're gonna actually go back. We got through verse ten last time. We're kind of gonna go back and recap a little bit, uh, starting at verse six, and then uh, we're gonna go through verse thirteen. So, if you guys would stand up, that'd be great. We're gonna read verses six through thirteen right now. Okay, it says, but now uh, that Timothy has come to us from you and brought us good news of your faith and love and that you always have good remembrance of us, greatly desiring to see us as we uh, also to see you. Therefore, brethren, in all our affliction and distress, we are comforted concerning you by your faith. For now we live if you stand fast in the Lord. For what thanks can we render to God for you, for all the joy with which we rejoice for your sake before our God, night and day, praying exceedingly that we may see your face and perfect what is lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way to you. May the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another and to all, just as we do to you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless, um, blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for um, us being able to gather together, having a place to gather. We pray that you would just speak to us through your word by your spirit, that you give us ears to hear eyes to see. Lord, we pray that you would um, work on our hearts, soften it where it needs to be softened, change our minds where they need to be changed, and help us to just grow in, in our fellowship with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, so a little bit more background. Um, this, this church was established in, in under a month. It was like three weeks to three to four weeks. Um, so Paul was really concerned with them because they were, you know, birthed in a really gnarly culture. Uh, There's a lot of persecution happening, and he was kind of stressing out about that. So he's like, I'm going to send Timothy to you uh, and, and just get, you know, find out what's going on. And hopefully you guys haven't failed. Remember, we, we instructed you guys that persecution is part of the game. Suffering is part of the game. Uh, you've been appointed to it. But uh, hopefully you guys haven't fallen and and he's hoping and praying for that that they've endured and that there would be a reward for you know the labor that had been involved and so uh he sends timothy this is the report that timothy has brought back to him and it results in paul praying for them um saying he's going to pray for them and how much he loves them and then it turns into like a full-blown prayer so um verse six Right Again, a little bit of recap here. But now that Timothy has come to us from you and brought us good news of your faith and love and that you always have good remembrance of us, greatly desiring to see us as we also to see you. The good news, uh, I mean, this was as good as Paul could have heard or, or imagined. They were doing really good. Their lives were marked by like legit fruit. They were operating in active faith and they had love. Like, and, and the love he's talking about is, is a godly agape love. Uh, so there, there was a real active thing happening in their lives, and it was on display. So when Timothy got there, he found not a feeble, shriveled up, freaking out church, but one that was strong and doing what they were supposed to be doing. It was great news. This is super good news. 
So um, he, he's, he says that he found them to have faith. The word pistis is, it's faith or believe. They believed fully. Their lives showed that they believed what they'd been taught. They believed that Jesus was the son of the living God. They believed their hope was founded in him. They trusted God through the storms. They believed him. We cannot have a healthy, fruitful life in Christ without having an activated faith. And there will be like a million opportunities to use your faith, right? It always sounds fun. Faith, ventures of faith sound fun until it's like something that you don't want to do, right? You're like, oh, that sounds like a really exciting thing. Wow, faith, look at the trust. You know, but faith, faith comes before sight, right? That's what, you know, faith comes before we walk by faith, not by sight. If it's sight, it's not faith. You know, and we like to, you know, rationalize and think things through. I, I, I go through decisions in my head for like big decisions. I'll just go through them. I mean, I drive myself insane. So finally I have to make a decision. I just have to go for it. And I just, oh, but I can like agonize over it. What am I going to do? What are we going to do? I mean, even like as we were praying about coming back here, it was like a stroke. Is this what we're supposed to do? I don't want to step out if it's not the right. And it was like, I don't know. Things are kind of crazy or whatever. And we just finally were like, God, God told us to go. We're going to go. Because we had a good setup. <laughs> we had a really good thing going on in Orange County. Friends, Mark and Brenda are here. And they're, uh, Brenda is the children's ministry director at that church. We loved our family there. We had a really good community. And so when we were coming back, it was hard to leave that. But we knew God had called us by faith to go. And so as the details became more clear, it became even more weird by faith. I mean, by sight. They're like, oh, this is going to be hard. Uh, I don't know how it's going to work. We found out we were pregnant with Hazel. All the details. But then you go, okay, well, God, if you told us to do it, and God's been nothing but faithful in that season. And, and that's always the case. He's, he's going to ask you to make not like a, it's not like an uneducated or un, you know, thought through, no wisdom faith. I mean, that's a bad idea. Like, I don't really know the Lord that well, but I'm going to give my life to serving him in North Korea. Please. <laughs> Let's disciple you first. I was inspired by the idea of faith, you know, like I, I, that's actually right when I first got, or when I'd really gotten, my life had changed and I started to walk with God, I wanted to go immediately to Kosovo into a Muslim country to tell people about Jesus because my friend Jeff was there. And then a, a pastor who I love dearly became my mentor. He came alongside me. He says, hey, how about you first start helping out with the youth group? You can go on a mission trip with us. I would have been an absolute disaster. I would have gotten myself killed for sure. In Kosovo. <laughs> and, and my faith would have gotten shipped. I wasn't ready for that. You know, it wasn't, and it was like a blind faith. Like, I, I love the idea of being hardcore and going for it, charging it. It's not like a blind faith. It's just obedience, right? As God directs you to something, you're obedient. And that sounds so much less like exciting obedience than like ventures of faith. But ventures of faith are ventures of obedience, right? It's when God tells you to do something, you do it. And, and it starts with like straight up the word. Imagine that, you know, you're like, I, I'm looking for God to tell me what to do. And we're ignoring everything he's told us what to do, right? So it naturally starts there. But faith is a fruit of someone who really does believe the things they say they believe in, right? Like I said, 2 Corinthians 5, 7, we walk by faith. 
not by sight. Sight first is not faith. And then they, they were known to have love, and the word is agape. It's not one of the other loves. It's agape. Selfless, godly, loving one another. This is a clear indicator that they are spirit-filled believers. We can fake agape love for like a little bit, right? Your kids know, though, for sure, if it's agape love. But selfless love, we can do it for a little bit uh, in, in people's eyes, right? You can look like you're doing selfless love, but it becomes pretty obvious that you're looking for some sort of a repayment quickly, right? You're looking for some sort of a validation. This would be selfless love. This is like the love of God that he's just lavishes on us. And they have this selfless love where they're looking out for each other. Um, it all comes from him. It's not something we can manufacture. It comes from him. So what Paul saw was fruits of a real relationship with God. The seed had been planted. It had been watered. It had good soil. Growth. Fruit, right? And so that's really exciting to him. Because remember, this church only had like three weeks of training before they were thrown right into the fire. So Paul was really excited to hear about that. So therefore, he says, brethren, all our affliction and distress, we were comforted concerning you by your faith. For now we live if you stand fast in the Lord. Their faithfulness, and we talked about this a couple weeks ago, their faithfulness affected way more than just themselves. And that's always the case. You're more than just, it's, we're not autonomous like we think we are. We're all affected by the decisions that are being made all around us, right? And so that's terrifying and also exciting, right? It's exciting in the sense that life can do this. It's also terrifying in the sense that death can do this too in a sense, you know, sense, right? As things get more dark, it becomes more gnarly. But that's when the light shines and the light affects things, changes things. Verse 9, he says, uh, for what thanks can we render to a God, uh, to God for you, for all the joy with which we rejoice for your sake before our God, night and day, praying exceedingly that we may see your face and perfect what is lacking in your faith. Paul's bursting out into thanks, and he's kind of like, what can we do to bless you and give thanks to God for how faithful he's been, and, 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 and how can we continue to minister to you and, and give you what you need, more encouragement, more instruction, and then he shifts, and this is the new, you know, we kind of covered all that a couple weeks ago. But then he shifts into this, like, full-on praying for them mode. And this is like a sign of a prayerful man, right? He's talking about something, and all of a sudden, now he's praying about it. Like, he's like, oh, man, I'm so grateful, I'm so thankful. You know what? Let's just, he just starts praying. And I think there's definitely something to that, where, where you're able to go from one language to another, quickly like where we're living here but we're also living there I, my friend's dad when we would work uh we were working underground construction and he says i don't speak spanish i speak spang or spanglish you know and he, he was just he was he would go in and out of english and spanish like constantly and it was like it was really funny because it would just be like he was in and out in and out and so like we could all understand him everybody could understand what he was saying but we could all not totally understand him 
right? It was like a little bit, it was like a common denominator, but not fully. And so he was kind of coming in and then he would go out and then he would come in and then he would go out. And he said, and he's just like, oh, I just, that's just kind of what I do. And I think in like as a daily life, when we're known to be, or we're called to be those that pray without ceasing, that we're to be always lifting up our hands in, in praise and prayer to, to the Lord, that's the kind of like dialogue we should have in a sense, not to weird people out. You know, where you're ordering coffee. I like an Americano, Lord, just the steam, I pray, you know, that they steam the milk, right? If I have that on the side or whatever, you know, that, that was, that's weird, you know. But be in a constant place where as things come up, you're dealing with it in, a, in the natural and you immediately take it to the supernatural. You immediately take it to prayer. Because this next section is very revealing and I think it's, it's something that um, we all would know and understand, but... Um, often miss. He says, now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way to you. Paul is dealing with the fact that he's not able to see them. And that's really bumming him out. There's multiple times in the Bible, I'm so grateful for these kind of things, because there's multiple times in the Bible where he does not get his way. And he's bummed about it. It's pretty obvious. I mean, he, he's okay with it in the sense that he's like, God doesn't want me to do it. Okay. Even healing, like, man, I prayed. And nope. He says, my grace is sufficient for you. And he's like, it keeps me humble. Gives God glory where he needs it. And, and, you know, we've had many people who have tried to get rid of that. But that's just there, right? Paul, when he's trying to, you know, uh, on, on his missionary journey, I couldn't go this way. I couldn't go that way. I couldn't go this way. He ended up busting into Europe, right? And we see great fruit, right? Philippi, right? So he ends up going different places that he wasn't expecting to go. Uh, And so he's like, I wanted to come. I tried. I couldn't come. And, And he's been trying to get to Thessalonica to go see these people that he loves and he's worried about and he's not allowed to go. He's allowed to send Timothy, but he's not allowed to go. So what does he do? He's like, uh, I can talk about it, how much I want to do it. And so now he says, now may our Lord God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way to you. Lord, make a way that I can get there. So he's bringing his petitions before the Lord because he cares for them. Now, what else does he say? He's, you know, the idea is he's petitioning heaven with earth's problems. How often we just not do that? Especially if you've been praying for something for a while and it hasn't happened. I don't know. God's not there. He's not answering. I mean, there's so many stories of prayers needing 10 plus years to be answered. Like God, he has his timing. We're not told to stop praying. There's no like indication that says, if you've prayed three times and it hasn't happened, move on. You know, if you've prayed Three months straight. Move on. It hasn't happened. So this is exciting in a sense where, where we just go, hey, you know what, unless God's given us a direct no on something, which he does sometimes. No, you can't do that. No, that's not what I'm, I have for you. And, and you're like, how do I know that? Oh, you'll know. It'll be very obvious. And you'll try to deny it probably. <laughs> try to figure out a way around it, you know weasel your way around it. I remember one time I, uh, um, 
I love softball, as you know. And I was playing in Orange County, and, uh, and I'd played all year, and Tori was going to Pastor's Wives Conference. And so I had the kids. And there were, it was Cannon, and it was uh, and Violet, and we lived in Orange County. And um, the guys on the team were like, can you, come on, man, play, play. And Tori's like, you can't play tonight. You can play every night, but just take care of the kids tonight. And I'm like, I just want to play. And so she leaves, and I'm still figuring out a way. I'm, like, thinking about how I could do it, if I could, like, you know, have some sort of a harness and wiring and, you know, where they could have a run, you know, something super, you know, like, okay. Like, we would all say, that's good, good for them, you know. Like, they could still run, and you're not chaining them up to something, you know. They've got a spot. And I'm just, like, thinking it through, and I'm trying. And even the guys on the team, I'm like, let me see what I can do, you know. So it was a big game. I think we were about to make the playoffs. And I was just like, just, oh, I'm going to find a way. And I just remember, like, looking at my kids and thinking about how, the fact that my wife had to watch them every single game I play, you know, and that's how much she gives up. And I'm like, no, this is a no. And I was like, I can't do it tonight. And I went home and I turned off my phone and just hung out with my kids. You know, sometimes God does that. And, and we might want to try and find a way, but you know, you know what? You know, you're not supposed to do it. This is not where you belong. But most of the time, that's not the case. We usually just give up. Like, I, I don't know, man, my prodigal son I, is just, he's not coming back. I feel like the more I pray, the worse it gets. I don't understand. Like, it's getting deeper, it's getting gnarlier, and I don't understand it. Do not stop praying, right? Continue to petition heaven with your earthly requests. Because a lot of times what ends up happening is we don't forget about the problem. We stop praying and we start going to earthly solutions, right? Isn't that how it goes? You start trying to solve it on an earth, in an earthly way. And a lot of times it can even mean like compromise and all this and that, not doing what you're supposed to do. But don't stop going to God with this. Paul wanted to see them, you know? And so he's not going to stop, but he's saying, I'm going to ask God to do this. I'm going to petition him. And then verse 12, he says this, and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another and to all just as we do to you. So then he says, may the Lord make you increase and abound in love. Paul's also appealing to heaven that God would continue to work in their lives. You know, so, so, so often uh, that we can, we think we, okay, we get saved and it's supernatural. It's, it's amazing. Some say the greatest miracle we'll ever see on earth is someone coming to faith in Jesus and seeing their life changed, dramatically changed, justified, made right before the Lord. That's so awesome. It's amazing. It's, it's just beautiful. Like there's nothing more exciting than that. Right? But then we think, all right, God, you did all this for me. Now I got to do some stuff for you. I got to clean it up. I got to get everything together. I got to get my stuff together. You know, whatever. I, I know how to do that. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And you, maybe you start off where you're like, God, help me with this. Help me with this. Help me with this. And then slowly you start seeing it and you're going, I'm, I'm struggling with this. I just need to get better at that. I need to get smarter at this. I need to do this and this. It's going to take human effort. No doubt about it. 
But Philippians 2, verse 12 and 13 says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. So there's a human effort outside to it. We're going to be working it out. But how does that happen? For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. You're going to be involved in the process, but it's him that's even giving you the willingness to do it. So it's like the idea of like, I got saved. Jesus saved me. I'm, I'm, I'm brand new. Now let me figure out how to be a Christian. That is, makes really, really bad examples of Christ followers because you're not following Christ. Right? And, but I'm not saying it like, it's, it's so easy to do. Start doing this stuff. You know, like try to be like, you know, it's, it's like, Lord, I need you so bad. And so Paul's petitioning to the Lord and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another and to all, just as we do to you. The power of prayer, of going to God and saying like, Lord, we need your help. We can't do this on our own. We were never meant to do this on our own. The whole point of salvation was to bring about restoration of relationship between us and him. So that's like the good news. And so why would that then be continued in separation again? Now figure it out. I set you up. Now figure it out. You're on your own. No, that was never the case. He, he, not only that, he gave us the helper, the Holy Spirit. I'll send you the helper and he'll help you out. He'll give you what you need. He'll lead you into truth. He'll convict the world of sin. He'll show you what things are wrong and how to fix them. Just keep close to me and I'll help you. you know, that's probably one of the hardest things about being a parent is, you know, as it, maybe when your kids are younger, they're like right by you and they're like, how do I do this? 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 And you're not God. You don't have infinite resources. So you're like, oh, I don't know. Figure it out. Right? And then they get a little older and now it's, that's just figuring it out. They're not asking you for help anymore. They don't really care what you know anymore. And you're like, no, I could help you so much. Because uh, you want to know what? I know. I know. My dad used to always say, I either, just before you know, just so you know, if you try to do something, I've either done it, and I've probably done it, or I have a friend who's done, who's done it. And so I will know before you know that I, I'm, I'm going to find out right away. That was always in my head, you know. As you walk by someone smoking, you're like, shoot. You know, I don't, <laughs> dad's going to know, you know. I'm just kidding, whatever. But the idea was like, he, it was like, I already know. I know everything you're going to, and, and as a parent, I'm like, dude, believe me, I know. I tr trust me. I know what you're going through, especially when you have a child that's like you. Looking at him, you're like, oh, oh, no, you are like me. And I know me, so I know you. But you don't know that I know you like I do because you're me. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Who's on first? Um, but the idea is like, we, we lose our, uh, and we're, we're all told, be dependent, you know, uh, independent, independent, independent. And, and, and that's true. You know, we don't want to be living in our mommy and daddy's basements forever, right? Base, we don't even have basements. Um, so there's, there's that side of it. But, like, 
what gets lost in that sometimes is the insane need that we all have to be utterly dependent on God. How do we teach this? By living this. That's how we teach. So Paul, as he's praying this, he's, he's showing that he believes it. He is so dependent on Christ. That's why when you hear, he's like, I've been praying for you without ceasing. I'm constantly praying for you. I'm thinking about you always in prayer and supplication. All the time I'm thinking about you. I'm thinking about how I can get to you. I'm sending people to you. I'm writing letters to give them to you. It's because he's so in touch with the Lord and has such fellowship with him, he recognizes the fellowship we need with the Lord and with each other. Yeah, and, and yet... One of the craziest things, I think actually one of the most harmful, hurtful things that we're experiencing in our society now is isolation. Isolation is getting worse and worse, and it's being praised. And it's because it has the illusion of community. But there's no real community. It's not real. It's not the real thing. And so God is saying, come Come with me, you know? Even I, I know people, was, you know, we did the whole online church thing, and they're like, dude, we got into online, and it's so cool. Got our Sundays back, you know? We can watch the message. I watch the message while I'm watching the masters uh, at the same time. It's so cool, and then, you know, we're, we're off and running. The day, you know, didn't miss anything, didn't even have to get out of my clothes. I mean, or, you know, put on clothes. Like, I, you know, I would go to church. Some close. But what gets lost in that, and we all lived in that place, right? I mean, that was just, just where we were. What gets lost in that is it's community. And some of the most lonely places are the most populated places. There's people everywhere. But that's like a false sense of community. Because if you don't know and you're not known then you're missing out on community. It always starts with God. As we have a real relationship with God and, and we have this intimacy with him, he will inspire that to be with others. Remember, it all comes from him. That's why he's saying, may the Lord make you increase and abound in love to what? One another. So that means the brethren, this would be the Christians. That the Lord would make you increase in your love. That your community would be bound by love and you'd grow in it. And then he says, and to all. What is to all? To those outside. So as you grow in relationship with him, as we're looking to him, seeking him, having relationship with him, the thing that was messed up at the garden right? The, the, the intimacy that was destroyed in the garden has been restored as Jesus died on the cross, rose again. The, the veil has been torn in two. We now have fellowship, relationship, and we get to be with him. Then that inspires community love, and that inspires, like, you know, I mean, church, you know, inner family love, and that inspires us to reach out to the whole world. But it's not something that you muster up. That's the key, okay? That's because I, I mean, I'll be honest. I find that I'm like, Lord, you need to be, make me better at like loving people, you know? Because I'm like, I like, that's not always my intent, you know? Especially with like my kids, and I'll see someone acting kind of weird, and I'm like, think, not thinking, how can I pray for this person? I'm thinking, 
step one will lead to step two, which will lead to step three, I'm prepared. <laughs> I'm going to protect my family. You know what I'm saying? That sort of a thing. And so you're like, you're like always looking out. I've always, I have a wallet in my front pocket all the time. You know, you know, just looking around, what's going on, who's here, whatever. But it, and, and it's so easy to get caught up in that. But it's like, God, I can't, and you're like, you could get hard on yourself. And this is the, uh, the other good news in this, is that we can really beat ourselves up when we don't do these things. I'm struggling, man. I, I, I'm not living by faith. I'm, I'm living in a compromised manner. I'm, I'm, I'm not trusting you. I'm believing myself, and I'm believing the lies of the enemy, and I'm, I'm caught up. And I'm, when I love people, it's manipulative, and it's whatever. Maybe that's where you're at. It's real simple. Lord, you know my heart. Search me and know me. Change it. And again, this comes from faith, believing that God wants to work in me. And if you don't see there's a need for change in your life, then there's way more need for change than you think. We all have stuff. Lord, you know I'm callous on this. You know I am not cool about this. You know, you know I need to turn off the news today. Go love, go have a conversation with one of my neighbors, you know. Go hang out with them. Go see what's going on. Just like, it's so cool. We had a, we had a neighbor come up to us and they're like, what's the name of your church? Like, we're going to come visit sometime. And I was thinking, I'm so oblivious half the time about this stuff, you know, like to what's going on around you. You know, like you're like, man, I just, you need, look at what's around you. People, these are real people that God wants to reach. And he planted you there. Not to just go, mm, but to reach out to them. Not of your own strength. You're like, I can't reach out to anybody. Don't worry about that. He chooses people who are un unable in and of themselves. Did, was David really the guy to kill Goliath? You say, oh, he's killed bears and he's killed lions. Was he really the guy? Well, no, he was. God made him the guy. Even Moses. I can't speak. He's like, fine, Aaron can do it if you have to. But God's like, I know who I chose. The disciples, what a weird group of people to choose. And yet, like, we look back in church history, and it's, it's an amazing group. You know, sans Judas. I think that's a good example of potential lost, left, not trusting, getting caught up, idolatry, right? Judas was in charge of the money. Money was the thing. Sold Jesus out for money. Idolatry. More common than you think. Way more present than we think or want to admit, right? I found this quote in a commentary I thought was really good. He says, we often wonder why Christian life is so difficult to live, especially in the ordinary everyday relationships of life. The answer may very well be that we are trying to live it by ourselves. The man who goes out in the morning without prayer is in effect saying, I can quite well tackle today myself. The man who lays himself to rest without speaking to God is in effect saying, I can bear whatever consequences today is brought upon myself. So easy to get in that place. And we, so we think it's hard. I can't live this Christian life. You cannot live like Christ without Christ. You can't do it. He's given you everything you need, but you've got to abide in him. We need to abide in him. And as he does that, he changes us from the, so it's not like a thing where you're like, oh man, I got to stop cussing before I go to church. I got to make sure I don't say it for an hour and a half or whatever, you know, 
Because these are like the views people have of Christianity. You're like, do you think that's what Jesus died for? Do you think that's what people were getting killed for? No, it was dead men raised. It was people being healed. It was whole cultures being changed. Think about Ephesus, Diana, the goddess, right? The, the silversmith, Demetrius, is freaking out because his business has gone sideways because no one's buying idols anymore. That is what God saved us to do. But you cannot do that on your own, right? It's not you. It's nothing you do. It's nothing I do. It's him doing it through us. Our part is obedience. So faith. And then walking in that activated love, not letting ourselves be, uh, as he talked about, tempted away from the things that we're supposed to be doing. It's a major issue in understanding our sanctification. God saved us and he made us right uh, with him. It's, 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 and he will continue to do that every day. We were saved and we're being saved. Right? So it's like as dramatic as that, you know, salvation was as much of a mess as you had then, he is continuing to save you from your mess. That's good news. Because it means that you don't have to bury, bear all that weight. Do you have to, you know, if you really want to grow, is obedience necessary? Absolutely. But he'll even give you the will to want to obey. The will to do and to do. He gives us everything we need. So good. This is good news. So that, uh, verse 13, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Establish, that we establish our heart. Another word for establish is strengthen. That he would strengthen our hearts. It's God who strengthens our hearts. Man, don't we need that? Don't we need to be established by him? When you see things going crazy in the world, don't you like feel like, oh, Okay, God, how do I have to figure this out? Okay, you've done so much. Uh, I think all this is happening. Okay, I'm just going to go fix, try to fix this. It's like, do you ask me to strengthen you, establish you, give you what to do? Because a lot of times in seasons like this is when revival is about to break out. So what happens if we miss that? We've been taking it all upon ourselves. We miss it. We're, we've missed the point. We've missed it all. Dark ideologies are very clearly in front of us. We know that. It's obvious. But that, you know, he does not win. Satan is actually already defeated. It's actually already done. And God's like, yeah, you're going to have troubles in this world. He's still got, you know, his place here. This is his kind of last hurrah. But if you want to follow me, I, we can do something, you know. And as a matter of fact, I'm using you. I want to see you do something, just like Jesus. I want to use you in that way to change everything. So we're established, our hearts will be established as blameless. This is not perfection, but it's right standing before God in obedience, right? Being blameless is that we're, we're straight with God. We're honest and obedient to him. Perfection, no, because those words freak us out, like blameless. I'm never, I'll never be blameless. Let's throw the whole, this whole section out. No, you've been made right before him in obedience and faith and in even repentance. Lord, you know where I fail. You know my, my failures. You know better than I know. Let me be real with you. I'm a mess here. Can you help me? And he's like, yeah, totally. 
Thank you for admitting what I've been trying to get you to admit forever. So establish us and strengthen us to be blameless. And then what? What else does it say? In holiness. Remember what holiness means? Dedicated. So that's what holiness means, right? Remember we talked about this? What's the difference between a plate or a cup and a regular one or a holy one? Is it was dedicated to the Lord. That's the difference, you know? Might not, it's like, what makes that so, it's dedication to the Lord. So as we're holy before him, it means we're devoted and dedicated to him. That's the difference, you know? Because we love to get into the weirdness of it all. Oh, well, that one's holy. Oh, they're all, that's holy. This isn't holy. It just means dedicated to the Lord. And that'll carry a whole bunch of fruit and power with it, you know, but um, it's all that. So holy, that our hearts would be, we'd be strengthened. Our hearts would be strengthened and they would be blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. So he's asking us to be blameless, which is to walk in obedience and holiness, dedicated, set apart from the world for his pleasure, for his doings, for his, his life that's totally different than everything else around us. So if you don't feel at home here, this is good news. This is not your home. This is not necessarily where you belong. You were created for a lot more. The good news is, so was everybody else. We just have to convince them of that. Help them to see that. And, and he says that, that all this would happen before our God and our Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all the saints. So this is not like just going to happen in the future, but it's going to happen now. Remember, they were looking constantly for the coming of Jesus, that he was the second coming of Christ. He was coming back soon. You see it right away, right in the Gospels. He's coming back again like super soon. And every generation since then has said the same thing. And you know what? We're all right. He's coming soon. And every, every day he's a little bit closer. And so what we do is we live in obedience and trusting in him, whether he comes back in our lifetime or not, and we live before him as holy and dedicated to him. Next week, we're going to talk about what holiness and blamelessness looks like in the midst of a messed up culture because they're living in a messed up culture. Three weeks discipleship, super sexually perverse, super all this gnarly stuff that you know, we kind of see around us now. And he's, Paul's going to remind them of who they are and how they're meant to be dedicated and different. Walk in obedience even when everybody else is doing something else. So I got home on Monday, I mean on, you know, last week. And we ended up, uh, I substitute taught for Violet's school the last couple days. Well, I did Monday and Wednesday. Third graders. Can you imagine? Um, it's been awesome. I actually like loved it. And we were learning about William Penn. You know, know about William Penn as in Pennsylvania? Kind of a big deal. Um, but, you know, he became a Quaker. And I don't know if you guys know the story. Does, who knows the story? You say, I do. Okay, nobody good. So if I butcher it, no one's going to know. Oh, you know. Oh, yeah, you're from Philadelphia. You, oh, man. Okay. Here we go. I'm going to try my best, okay? But during the bubonic plague, right, the Quakers were out ministering to people as far as helping people and the Quakers, you know, whatever. I'm not trying to like promote you to become a Quaker, but William Penn saw them selflessly serving the sick people and uh, England's 
you know, rulers uh, did not like that, right? So they got heavily persecuted for doing this. And William Penn, who was a student at the time, saw this and he's like, I like people who do the right thing even when they get in trouble for it. That was like his thing, you know? I like people who go against the grain of culture because it's the right thing to do. And they had some quotes in it because the book's, it's got a Christian background, but it's like doing the right thing even when nobody else does it is, is that's what we need to do. And not following the wrong thing even when everybody else is doing it. It's like we're meant to stand against the grain and be different. Now, if we're trying to do that in our own strength or with our own ideals, it's going to take on a very weird take. It's going to come out way different than I'm just living for Jesus Agape love, selfless love, and faith. Why was Jesus killed? Because he was so, you know, violent, all this, you know. No, he was, he was just straight up the real thing. And the fake hated it. So as we draw ourselves and we're closer and closer to him, he's going to make us stand out in the midst of a culture that is totally opposed. But in the meantime, many will come to know him. And you know what else he says? You know what else is cool? If you're persecuted, don't worry. I got got you. I'll give you the words. If you struggle, if you're going to deal with this, I got you. I'll take care of you. No matter what, I got you. So that's it, the intimacy of the relationship. So if you're feeling anxiety and stressed out about life and, and and the world, the culture, all of that stuff, go to Jesus. That's a good sign and a symptom. You need to go to him. Lord, what do you want me to do? You know, I, I can't play armchair quarterback. You know, I saw a video of a guy, this guy was eating ice cream and he was just like super, super out of shape. And, uh, and, and it was like quarterback through an interception, you know, and he's sitting there and he's, and he's like, just, he's like, what an idiot, you know, like what's wrong with this guy? He's a professional quarterback, you know, you're like that. That's so easy to be that they call the armchair quarterback. Like, why would he do that? You're like, bro, you couldn't even be on the field. Like, if you try to catch that ball, your fingers would probably all break, you know? Like, you have no idea what you're even looking at, you know? And so it's so easy to be that thing when God's saying, I didn't call you to be an analyst or a spectator on all this. I called you to intervene and be in the middle of it, but you can't do it without me. If you try, you'll get exhausted. You'll get weird results. It'll be, it'll be strange fire. But what, if, if you will go with me and you allow me to do this in and through you, then the love will abound in community. We'll have real relationship. That will be enticing to a world uh, that doesn't have any of that. And God's going to use us to make an impact right here, right now, even if nothing changes. And, and you know what? It all takes is faithful men and women that want to follow him and honor him. And things can change really, really fast. You know, the spirit of the living God can I mean, if God could create the world by speaking it into existence, he can shift things on a dime. So we want to be those that are in tune with him, right? For every reason, because that's the whole point. God created man to be in fellowship with him, that we could have a relationship with him. We could walk with him in the cool of the day. Lord, we just pray that you give us that. Lord, we need that. We need your, your, your presence, your peace. We need your, your grace.
And there's no way to get it on our own. We can't do it. We can't come up with it. We can't manufacture it or, you know, whatever. It's just, we, it's got to come from you. And that's the point. You want us to have relationship with you. So Lord, help us to grow in that. Lord, and forgive us. Lord, I pray even right now for all of us, each one, every single person here. Lord, reveal to us where we're off. Show us where we're deceived, where our hearts are like messed up, where we're like not where we're supposed to be. Lord, and then come rushing in with like waters of healing and and refreshment uh, because we get to spend time with you that we get to experience like a taste of, of eternity, like a taste of the kingdom now. That we'd experience like the fact that it, it, it started, it's not finished, but it's started. You're, you're, you've already started your work. You've, you've redeemed us by the blood of your son, Jesus. So Lord, we pray that you would just, Lord, give us a, hearts that are attentive to that and and that we would have sweet times with you we'd carve out time to spend it with you our our that we'd be speaking like two languages at once we'd be uh dealing with earth and constantly petitioning heaven that as things come up we would see them with earthly eyes but we would ask you to immediately uh show us what the heavenly perspective is on that lord that we would really be who we say we are We love you, God. We thank you. So grateful for uh, our community, this church. Pray that you continue to knit us in together. We pray for those who are, you know, even out this week and missing. We pray that you would bless them. Pray you bring them back soon. We pray that we'd all be able to be together, encouraging each other, loving each other. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.